Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, I put you in my journal the other day. You did? I did. I put some baby dust on you. Wait a minute. Is this like witchcraft? What is this? No, it's just one of my affirmation journals. Do your sprinkles. That's good. Just don't write my name in no book and then, you know, start doing voodoo on me. Like, that's, that's, I, I just, I don't know these ways. I'm not familiar. If it's, if Jesus ain't in it, I'm not, I'm not Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business, but mine with me, Kara Berry, Good Housewives Edition. Yes, I'm so excited, much like I'm sure you guys are. I didn't realize that we have been watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for six months, (laughs) 24 episodes. Y'all, that's long. And I'm sure there were probably breaks in between where they didn't have episodes. So we're talking like at least six months that we've had to deal with those women And I just like, I feel so free and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. So um, before we get into the episode, I wanted to tell you I am on a podcast. My friend Taria um, hosts a podcast called What Else is Going On? And I was just on it. We were on, I was on what, Wednesday's episode. And we discussed Real Housewives of Potomac and Beverly Hills and just our thoughts. And it was just like a fun conversation as it always is with Taria. So yeah, check me out on What Else is Going On this week. Um, but yeah, let's get into the episode we're gonna start off with our girls over in Potomac because you know of course we are um so the episode begins with Wendy and Eddie they're taking the kids out they're the boys are practicing football Cameron's running around being a little cutie and Wendy's 
updating Eddie on what happened with her conversation with Peter about the Nigerian restaurant and how they're going to need like a $300,000 buy-in. So Wendy actually tries to pitch this, oh, I'm only going to be a 20% owner thing as a good thing because she won't, you know, because it's such a small percentage, she won't have to be there day to day doing the whole like nightlife restaurant grind. And she's like, you know, I just wouldn't have the bandwidth if I did 50-50 ownership with Peter. And Eddie's like, yeah, great. I'm so glad you brought up bandwidth because we already had this conversation with the Candles girl. So what's good? And Wendy says, you know, I just wanted to run it by you. I just see like if you wanted to support me or whatever, but it seems like a, a big no from E-Dog. <laughs> I gotta say. Uh, Eddie is so um, difficult for me because I just love the Osefos as a family unit. I think the kids are gorgeous. I think Wendy and Eddie as a couple are just like a beautiful, good looking, happy seeming couple. And yet like if Eddie were to approach me for just like a little kiss or more, I would say yes immediately. I would. And that's just my truth. So then we see Robin at home with her family. And I just love how the editors always bring in just like a little clip to make sure that we see that these two boys are running Robin ragged. They're like throwing balls at her face. They're they're like trying to wrestle. <laughs> just like, oh, girl, I, I'm just, I was thinking like, what would it be like to be in a house full of boys? And that would honestly like, I'm sure Robin loves her kids, but it would honestly, for me, having to be trapped in a, in a home with three straight uh, males is like honestly torture. I don't know how she does it. No wonder she's always trying to take a nap. But anyway, they're outside practicing for her family fun day, right? And they're doing a trial of the potato sack race. So Robin competes with her two sons, but then Robin tells Juan to get in a potato sack and like pr participate with them. And <laughs> I love Corey because last season Robin was having a conversation with her younger son, Corey, and she's like talking about how like the things are falling behind with the hats. And so are we still doing the hats, by the way? I feel like we're not talking about the hats anymore, but um, how things have been falling by the wayside with the hats. And he goes, dang, you don't have your life together. <laughs> what a question. So then <clears throat> Robin's like, boys, you guys, you know, keep it tight because your dad used to be a world-class uh, athlete. And he, Corey goes, I think you were a world-class bench warmer. <laughs> and then Juan looks at him like, damn. <laughs> and then Corey mumbles under his breath. Oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> so they do the potato sack race. I mean, of course, like everything that happens with Robin, she uh, comes up a lot later than everybody else. And so then she sits down to talk to Juan about this whole situation and tell him that she has come up with a, a compromise with regard to Wendy and the kids because she doesn't want to make it seem like she's leaving Wendy's kids out of this family fun day event, but she doesn't fuck with Wendy. So she tells one, the, the compromise is that she's going to call Candace and ask Candace if she wants to play auntie for the day with the Osefo kids and bring them to the event and leave Wendy's ass at home. Girl, this is a stupid idea. And Juan should not have co-signed it like he did. So then we get cut over to Wendy again and she's talking about, you know, how hurt she is over her kids not really she's not really mad about robin leaving her out it's like you brought my kids into this and now it's like i don't play about my kids <laughs> but poor sweet cameron i think 
<laughs> so Cameron's just like been like kind of doing her thing while, while her parents are talking. And when Wendy says, I don't play about my kids, I think Cameron thought she meant like, I'm literally not going to play with my kids because Cameron then goes, no, play with me. <laughs> She's like, girl, that's not what I meant. But yeah, I mean, then they start talking about like, we hear both Juan and Eddie's reaction to the whole Chris and Giselle situation. Eddie's real confused. He's like, Chris? The same Chris that was cooking them dinner? That one? Damn, they're trying to get Chris? Why are they trying to get Chris? That's crazy. <laughs> and then Robin tells Juan, and he's like, you know, she she tells Juan, you know, Giselle did tell me about the situation that happened that night as it happened. And Juan goes, well, why did Giselle not tell Candace when it happened if it was such a big deal to her? And Robin really didn't have an answer to that, did she? She was like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But then he, Juan does ultimately say, listen, if Candace is telling Giselle, or excuse me, if Giselle is going through the effort of telling Candace that she was uncomfortable, then I do think it is uh, Chris's responsibility to apologize to Giselle himself if that's how she felt. So Robin FaceTimes Candace to tell her about her plans to be auntie for the day. And Candace is like, yes, Robin, I am so excited. I'll do it. I'm in this 100%. But then in a confessional, she's like, you know, I'm 99% um, sure that Wendy's going to tell me to go to hell. And then she's going to tell me to tell Robin to go to the hell underneath that. So after that, we see Karen shuffling around in her kitchen, throwing away a bunch of frozen chicken, a.k.a. Dirty Bird. Because <laughs> she went to... Um, a person, I'm not sure if she said doctor, but she went to somebody to like check out her food allergies and they told her that she was allergic to chicken and the chickens have trauma during the butchering process and she doesn't want that chicken trauma, um, getting up in her body. So that's it. Bye dirty bird. Bye. The Raven FaceTimes. I meant to look up what Raven does. She must work in like the fashion industry because Raven lives in New York and Karen's talking about how, you know, my daughter's 24 and she was on the carpet of the Met Gala and I'm just kind of like living vicariously through her. Just like living a fabulous life. Raven really seems to be living like more like a rich kid of Instagram than I have noticed the other housewives children. And I love that for her. I really do. You know what I was thinking about, you guys, like really randomly? I happened to see uh, Quincy, Sonia's daughter, on social media, and I just had this thought of, you know, we never saw Quincy on the show, and I think at some point she was in boarding school, but I, I was just thinking, there must have been several years after the divorce where Quincy was probably living high off the hog on the, like, Morgan money. She was probably, there was probably a time where she was worth more than her mom was. Do you ever think about that? Like, she might still be. I don't know. Just like how I saw she was living her life. I'm like, Sonia, this is not coming from Sonia's money. <laughs> this is, this is, this is JP Morgan money. That has to be weird. It has to be weird to be in a position where like, you're more financially solvent than your own mother. And you're like 15, you know? So anyway, back to Karen. Um, she's telling Raven, because she's like, your dad doesn't know that we talk woman to woman, but she's telling Raven about what Ray said about Tiff and Fee and their upgrade and how he's like feeling some type of way about that because he doesn't want it to come off like Karen's trying to encourage uh, 
Raven or their nieces to do things like that. And Raven's like, girl, like what's going on over there? <laughs> he dragged you, sis. And yeah, I don't think there was any resolution to that, but you know, I don't really know what's happening with Karen's storyline. She's at least trying more than like, Kyle or Rena, I don't want to talk about them, but you know, like we're at least getting more of her family life. I don't, I don't understand. Like, is this really, um, titty related, uh, trauma that's happening with your marriage? I don't know. I'm along for the ride. Make no mistake. I just don't really know where we're going. So over at Concrete City, Ashley invites her publicist slash homegirl, Antia, to talk strategy about the separation with Michael. So it turns out Antia has been around for quite some time as we see her doing like a full Kris Jenner. You're doing amazing, sweetie, with uh, Ashley at the Virginia Pride while she performed the hit single Coffee in Love. And I'll tell you guys one thing. You might be annoyed with me, but I think if I can, I'm going to try and fit in a Coffee in Love reference every episode because I just feel like in the Housewives song canon, it doesn't get enough shine. It's so good. <laughs> you know what I mean like it's it, it's such a song like you have to hear you you have to hear it you know and I think like after like the first few times you're like oh I still don't get it and that's the beauty of coffee and love that's the beauty because there's no other housewife song that's going to mention things like uh judgment judy's bitter buddies and zz top I mean, it's a classic. It's a classic right then and there. So anyway, we're at Concrete City and um, Ashley and Michael have drawn up a statement that they want to release about their, their separation, right? She says, I just want Michael to have the freedom to like go to the club, get some titties in his face without people taking pictures and reporting back to me. Like, make no mistake, back in the day, I really appreciated everybody <laughs> doing recon for me. But now, like, we don't have to do that, right? So Ashley starts talking in a confessional about how like, oh, you know, I just don't want people to hear about us breaking up and be like, oh, see, I knew about this because of X, Y, Z thing that happened in the past, which is like, you know, uh, not only has Michael done X, Y, Z in the past, he's also done like A through W. So, you know, you sometimes we just got to take the L's. We got to understand that like, yeah, it probably sucks that you live in a public sphere and like people will speculate about your relationship, but really you should be mad at Michael for giving everybody, giving the public all the reason in the world to think that that might be why you guys broke up, you know? Like, I don't believe that you guys just, the ultimate straw that broke the camel's back is that he asked you to be in a threesome. That's not why you guys got divorced. Come on. So Ashley reads the statement. Don't care. You can listen to it if you want to. But what I did find interesting is that they quickly flashed to her phone and he, Michael, was listed as Mickey Darby in her phone. And honestly, like, I just feel like, how is it that we haven't even seen Michael on the screen this season and yet I still managed to be creeped out by him? Mickey? Ugh. And then Ashley keeps doing the speech and I really couldn't pay attention because, again, the editors keep doing this, like, Olin Mills style, black and white, like memories situation. 
in with the picture in picture and so we have to be forced to watch uh ashley and michael you know uh fighting in the parking lot over their kangaroo restaurant or uh michael admitting to being with a woman and cheating on ashley um that creepy laugh that he did at the last uh party where he got wasted with juan and tried to get in a fight with with chris that that one yeah that one so at this point, it's like end of March. And Antia is saying, I think for strategy, it would be best that we release a statement at some point in April, like the next week. We wanted to get out before Mother's Day. So Ashley agrees. So then we get time for the family day. And Robin says in a confessional that since she's extended the invitation to Wendy's kids via Candace, if Wendy's kids don't show up, then it really was never about the kids to begin with, which... <laughs> I'm I'm off the boat on this one, Robin. Like, this is such a convoluted, stupid situation. You know that no kid, <laughs> that was never going to happen. You know that she was never going to bring her kid. Like, come on. Come on. Gordon and Mia and their kids are on the way. They drive past the Mormon temple. And Mia tells the kids that back in the day, she used to go to her aunt's house. And this was like the route to get there. And she used to think that that Mormon temple was Disney World and always like wanted to go. This gets into a conversation about her mom versus her aunt. I'm not sure if this is like an actual aunt, just like a cultural aunt. You know what I mean? But she says that she was like always really close to her aunt and that they had recently had a conversation. Her aunt knew her mom before she started using and has seen her through this whole situation, right? She told Mia that people who start substance abuse and like really get into their addiction, their maturity kind of stops at that age until they get sober and then it kind of like starts back over again. Right. So Mia had this light bulb moment of, Oh, so I'm expecting to have this mom who's like older than me and wiser and like doing these mom like things. But really my mom is a woman who's stuck in her early thirties, late twenties. And I just need to lower my expectations And then she was telling her, you know, gosh, I just wish that I had known that 20 years ago, you know, because now when my mom comes over, it's like, she makes mention of Jacqueline, her best friend, right? She's like, now my relationship is kind of like Jacqueline. And she kind of mumbles like, because you know how much we take care of her. I'm like, "Mm, that's interesting. Jacqueline's divorcing but she was at some point in a whole marriage with children so what how much care of her were you taking Mia let's talk about it as soon as we get there Mia's got jokes and she had every right to be because I mean we should have lowered our speaking of lower expectations lowered our expectations for this Robin event I mean it was windy There was some food that I don't think I saw anybody eat. I don't think we ever took the covers off of those those uh, catering trays. I don't know if people even knew there was food because it was so windy. She put these like uh, plastic uh, table covers down, but the covers were like covering up the food. So I don't know if people just like thought it was whatever. But Mia's like, I don't know why I'm here. And then we find out the whole reason the setup for this was that... Uh, 
uh, Robin's kids were supposed to meet Mia's son because they're about the same age, like 13, 14. But Mia's son didn't even show up because he's like, he wanted to hang out with his own friends. And honestly, I probably should have done the same thing because what is this? <laughs> what is this? The events seem to be relegated to like uh, uh, a yard line. I don't know. I You guys know I don't know sports, but it seems like maybe they were in a soccer field. You know, they have those lines that are maybe like two yards, like maybe six or seven feet apart. The, all the races that they did were just, just that. Just go six feet back and forth. <laughs> and the cameras tried to make it seem like they were going all this long way in the potato sack race, but like, no, it was like eight feet round trip. Thank you, Robin. So Jacqueline shows up with her kids and her PP and she's telling everybody, oh, that's my PP. And everybody's like, what are you talking about, girl? What's a PP? A little penis? What is that? So <laughs> Jacqueline says that it's actually her parenting partner, her ex-husband or the ex-husband that she's currently divorcing. But I guess they have a good co-parenting Courtney and Scott type relationship. Candace is on her way. She sends a text to Robin like, hey, girl, I asked Wendy's, but Wendy's declined okay so robin does this evil laugh in a confessional she's like oh haha see it wasn't about the kids was it wendy but wendy says in a confessional listen i appreciate my girl candace but she also knows that no mother is going to leave their children to go with somebody else especially an event that they weren't wanted at that's weird that is weird (laughs) nobody is gonna do that nobody's gonna do that and it's not a diss on candace like it's nothing of the sort but like what relationship does candace really have with those kids you know (laughs) and also like girl i'm gonna send my kids but i am not allowed to be there like that is very weird that's really weird the ladies gather up and robin announces that wendy wasn't invited so karen immediately is like that's not okay this is for the kids. Like that that's petty. That's not okay. So Robin explains the whole Auntie Candace situation to Karen, but Karen's like, nah, you really should have been the bigger person about that. You really should have. So then Robin and Giselle go green eyed bandit, tag teaming on Karen, like, oh, you weren't there. You don't know the whole situation. And Karen's like, you know what? I expect you guys to be behave. Okay. I expect you guys to behave when I'm not there. I can take a sick day. <laughs> Like, don't be getting into this, you guys. And then Karen says in a confessional, send your children to to somebody else. Why don't you send your children to somebody else, Robin? Please. This makes no sense. The only way I could see this making sense is if, like, the boys had a really close relationship to Robin's kids and, like, that. But they don't. So this really doesn't make any sense. Let's leave these shenanigans to New Jersey because I feel like this is something that would happen if, like, you know, Melissa and Teresa were fighting, but they wanted their daughters to get together. And so, you know, somebody called like Dolores to bring the kids over. Like that would make sense, but this does not. But the beauty of this show is that Karen can be a hundred percent right one second and then do some foolish shit the next, because as soon as Karen gets eyes on Charisse, Charisse is walking down the heel field. We hear coughing, wheezing, aching, <laughs> muscle (laughs) the whole thing coming out of Karen and she's like you know gosh I don't know how long I could be here oh you know like I've got a a, a respiratory infection like oh gosh I'm sick (laughs) so 
Kara does a potato sack race with a mask on outside. And she is going about three inches per hop. Real slow. And so after that, Mia goes to get Karen a bottle of water because she's like spent. Oh, you know, I, I should have gotten a Z pack before I got here. Like, this is just like a really bad thing. They're telling uh Karen, lift your arms up before you over your head so you can see it. <laughs> uh uh no, Giselle is like across the field. So she's looking at like everybody gathered around uh Karen. Karen's standing there with her arms up and genuinely Giselle goes, what's wrong? Her boobs? <laughs> Karen asks anybody if there's a CVS nearby, as if anybody would know the answer to that. She's like, gosh, yeah, no, I really should have taken my Z-Pack. <laughs> Gordon, Gordon, can you just escort me to my car to make sure I get there safe? And we could see your car from here. Okay. But then she's like coughing. The rest of the ladies are trying to figure out what's going on. But Robin's like, she points to Sharice. She goes, oh, she just was doing that because she wanted to get away from you, girl. <laughs> Giselle decides to stir the pot by telling Sharice that Karen's been acting like she doesn't even know who Sharice is. So we see a flashback of uh, Giselle going over to Karen's house and she's asking Karen, like, what's going on with Sharice? Like, how how about Sharice? How was your relationship with her? And Karen's like, who? Sharice. Karen. Giselle, how is the party planning going for your daughters? How's that going? <laughs> what is happening? So then Candace arrives last. Giselle tries to say hi to her. Giselle brought, not the twins, but the oldest daughter, Grace, right? So Giselle's sitting next to Grace on a bench. And Giselle says hi to uh, Candace. But Candace goes, oh my God, hi, Grace. You look so beautiful. <laughs> And then in a confessional, Candace says, Giselle's invited to kiss the very blackest part of my ass. And while she's looking for it, I'm just going to pass right over her. <laughs> and then in a confessional, Giselle says that Candace is taking it too far. And all she needs to do is to ask her husband to uh, stop inviting her into private rooms. I'm like, girl, too far? You've gone on camera telling half of the cast members that you feel like her husband was trying to put a move on you and that you felt uncomfortable. But now her blanking you in public is taking it too far? Okay. Everybody goes to play tug of war except for Candace, Sharice, and Mia. So we have to keep in mind that Mia had told Robin last episode that Chris had been looking at her all at the Celebration of Life taco party and that she was like feeling very uncomfortable, right? But Candace doesn't know that Mia told Robin that. So Candace is talking freely, right? Like more freely than I think she would be if she had known that Mia had also said something about her husband. And so Sharice asked Candace how she's feeling. Excuse me. And she's like, oh, you know, I just feel like some people will say anything for attention and they'll make up the most heinous lies. And Mia's just sitting there behind her glasses like, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> so Ashley arrives Actually, she's the last. She's bringing up the rear with uh, John C. Riley and, and Dean. And, or, what's the other one? I don't know. But, <laughs> shout out to Nora from the Reality Is podcast who said <laughs> that Ashley, is it the second one? Darby? Dean. Dean and Dylan. Okay, Dean, the oldest one. Dean looks like John C. Riley. You see it, right? You see it. It's basically a doppelganger. <laughs> 
So Ashley sits down with Mia to talk about the house hunting and how that's going, how she's feeling about her relationship with Mickey. And Ashley says, I feel like their divorce actually is going to happen because Michael's not fighting me at all. Like he's not trying to stay together or anything like that. Then she says that Michael had a vasectomy that day, or at least he had it scheduled that day. Okay. So Mia asks, oh, is this something, have you guys been planning on doing the vasectomy? Is this something that he's doing like out of security? And Ashley's like, oh no, the reason why we're not having sex is because Michael basically thinks I'm trying to trap him and get another baby in me. And you're sad about leaving this, like he thinks that about you? remember oh god I just remember this remember like before gosh just maybe season two one or two where Ashley really wanted to have kids and they were like having the baby talk and Michael told her that he was scared to have babies with her because of how Ashley's mama acted and he didn't want Ashley to turn into her mother (sighs) can you imagine your husband saying that to you Bitch, I think it's time we admit that, like, these two were both playing a very well-orchestrated game on their own and on their own terms. And they were trying to, at times, pass this off as, like, a genuinely loving, uh, legitimate relationship. But this was an arrangement on both of their ends. Like, it absolutely was. I would feel very confident in uh, theorizing that, like... There was a tactical reason on Michael's end why he had those kids. I honestly think that. So anyway, we got to Mia in a confessional. She's like, you know, Ashley probably should have waited until she had two more kids because that's one, two, three, four checks. And then she says that Michael probably wanted to have a vasectomy because he didn't want to have any illegitimate kids. And then she goes, oh, should I have said that? No, Mia, you shouldn't have my bad yeah you're bad you're bad on that one so then Jacqueline asks Ashley uh like why are you getting a divorce when you haven't really stated any issues and Ashley's like well you know a few months ago he did ask me to have a threesome and we used to have them but I just don't want to do that anymore so Jacqueline brings up that her ex or her PP uh also tried to talk her into having threesomes quite a bit quite a bit and so this gets into like oh are you bisexual Jacqueline and Jacqueline's like oh you know like I don't really know I like what I like and Mia's like she is (laughs) okay (laughs) are you Mia like why why do you feel so confident to like out her (laughs) to everybody (laughs) very strange so uh She's like, uh, Ashley goes, well, yeah, I think I'm bisexual too. Or maybe you're pansexual, Jacqueline. I've heard that's a word. (laughs) I've heard that's a word. (laughs) Okay. So Ashley and Candace have actually a pretty nice moment. So Ashley, like everybody's leaving. Ashley's asking Candace how her IVF journey's going. And she's like, oh, you know, we had to quit it because my follicles weren't follicling the way that they wanted to so we just decided to quit she says she's kind of like numb to the whole situation right now but she's like you know I just kind of feel like a failure but Ashley's like girl it's not a failure at all you guys just have to regroup and then she tells Ashley or she tells Candace I put you in my journal the other day and I put some and Candace is like oh 
that's so nice. And then Ashley goes, and I put some baby dust on it. And she goes, what is that? What does that mean? And Ashley is like, is this witchcraft? Like, what, what's going on? And Ashley goes, no, like, it's just one of my affirmation journals. But in a confessional, Candace goes, okay, do, do your sprinkles. That's good. Just just don't write my name in a book and start doing any voodoo on me, Ashley. I don't know these ways. If Jesus ain't in it, I'm not sure. <laughs> so after the event is over, we see Ashley driving around, just driving around some random neighborhood. Oh, by the way, I noticed on her TikTok, it does seem like she has moved out of Concrete City and into a place that seems a lot brighter and uh, Michael-less. So we got the house. Hopefully not in an LLC that's going to screw her over very quickly but uh she's so she's driving around this neighborhood and the screen pops up we start seeing all these flashes of headlines saying oh ashley's uh ashley and michael are divorcing and the snippets of these headlines say broken trust cheating husband <laughs> ashley says in a confessional that she doesn't know who would have said anything because she keeps her circle very small and she keeps it small for a reason. And then Antia calls. And they start having this conversation about how, like, gosh, I don't know how this could have gotten out. And Antia's like, yeah, I don't know either. That's so weird. And how weird is it that I haven't been able to get a hold of Michael all day? Don't you think that's strange? Ashley does say that he had a flight. So she was texting him because, like, the news came down while he was on this flight. So she's texting, texting, and it's like, okay, he's not getting them, right? But... Then she's like, I knew he landed and he's still not writing or calling back. I think Antia and uh, Michael had a little plan. Just like I think Natalie and Michael, Natalie, that real estate agent who was like, yeah, we already got the financing. I'm not sure why Michael told you to uh, keep the news of your separation down. Like we didn't, that wasn't contingent upon you getting financing. You've had it. I think something weird is going on there. Like, okay, Ashley, if you're saying that you keep your circle intentionally small, then who told? Was it the lady who was in your house talking about uh, whether or not to put the statement out? Because now Ashley's being told by Antia, like, oh, I think you should just put the statement out. Don't worry about uh, Michael. Don't worry about getting a hold of him. Just like put it out and just like get ahead of the story. So Ashley decides to do that. She's like, you know, I, I just don't want, basically like she's trying to protect Michael. I don't want people thinking the wrong thing. And, you know, I just feel sorry for him. Like, why? Why, girl? Why? So yeah, my theory is that Antia and Michael have something behind uh, Ashley's back. And she's just like a fool and doesn't know it. She got played. I, I think she got played. Um, okay. Well, yeah, let's move on to Salt Lake City. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. By what happened on Instagram. Chris got really frustrated because he felt like I was being attacked in the media. A lot of it felt like it was coming from Lisa. And we were getting accounts that were saying things that only I had talked to her about. In a very immature moment, as a 52-year-old man, please judge me later, but I created a big account. All right, we're back. Salt Lake City. I'm enjoying the season. I think... I feel like I've I've heard tell that people are um uh like kind of falling out of favor finding this a little bit boring and I have to admit that the first watch um wasn't hitting for me but the second watch I'm like okay I'm I'm seeing what's happening here these girls are playing they're playing for keeps I don't know if they're playing to win per se but they're they're in it everybody's in they're off the bench and they're ready to play so the editors are having a blast with the show you guys a blast it's like black and white opening up 1940s we're seeing these stills of salt lake city and the temple or whatever and um there's this like 1940s style voiceover talking about how all the drama that's going on right um There's been a mystery Instagram account that's been attacking controversial local citizen Jen Shaw. Uh, Wild Rose Whitney has been exposing too much and Justin's been fired. And there might be war between Lisa Barlow and Heather for a text regarding Heather's father. Watch it all in full tonight on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I mean, these people are having an absolute blast. Good time, gals. Every one, of, <laughs> every one of you guys in that editing room are good time, gals. So Heather goes to the Alliance Theater to check things out because she's scouting locations for her new uh, choir. This is like a rec league choir. We're out of the temple and into the night. And uh, yeah, she... Guys, I, I know that I said that I was kind of growing tired of Heather's uh, story about her relationship with her religion. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. I'm, I'm back in. I'm back in. Um, so Heather employs Dre, her business partner at Beauty Lab, and Corey, this like sexy, thick bear of a man who uh, I guess spent 27 years of his life being a choir director in the Christian South world and uh, Southern world. And uh, yeah, Heather says that she wants to create a space where there can be a group of people who can sing spiritual or non-spiritual songs without like being Mormon, I guess. Heather explains in a confessional that to Mormons, choir is community. It's worship. It's service. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that's like most uh, religions, but I just feel Heather is really having a crisis of her uh, faith, her identity. I think she's like kind of regretting how strong she stood out against uh, the Mormon church in the beginning. I think she's like really, really struggling with like, I think the fact that Heather has like 
maybe not abandonment issues, but like issues with feeling left out, I think. And she was wrapped up in this world. She felt trapped. She felt like this didn't feel right to her. So she leaves it. But then the other side of that is you're leaving a community for better or for worse. That was like your entire world. And that can feel very lonely. I can imagine. And I was honestly thinking as I'm getting the feeling that Heather might be regretting like coming out full force against like as this Mormon who left, like now it's sort of her personality and something that she's wearing. And now she's about to come out with a book about it. So that's going to be a whole other third wave of like talking about her leaving Mormonism. And I just like, I don't think, I don't think she, I, I think she's freaking out a little bit. I really, really do. Um, so they're planning on doing a whole audition process, like a weeks long process. And then they're maybe going to shoot for an Easter, an Easter performance. This is such a, a wild, it's not like that wild. Like people have community sing-alongs, I guess. <laughs> I don't know like much about the Mormon uh, music world. Like I, I come from the Christian background where like, we have bangers like, you know, Lord, I lift your name on high. Um, you know, that sort of thing. Gospel songs. So I don't really know what's like popping. Um, I'm curious, a little scared, but I'm curious. So then we move on to Jen and Coach Shaw. They're going to a trampoline park for a date. Jen says in a confessional that this is one of those times where you just don't say what's on your mind because she's thinking, uh, what the fuck is happening? Are we jungle gyms? Like what's going on? I believe it was somebody on bitch sesh who said that, uh, the reason why people like Jen so much more, despite the fact that she's, you know, just barreling towards being a convicted federal criminal. It's not looking great for her uh, versus Erica, who really hasn't been like directly accused of anything. Um, and that person said, I wish I could remember who it was, but that person said that uh, they feel like the reason is because Jen has a sympathetic scene partner in Coach Shaw. And I think that definitely is part of it. But I also think that like Jen is just a star. Like there's something about Jen herself that is just funny there's a lightness to her which is like shocking all things considered um there is just like a sense of humor to her um and I think with Erica like she came on the show and she was like the ice princess the uh wife of the successful lawyer and like she had her walls up and she was this beautiful ornament had this uh alter ego who was sexy and whatever um, and then when she gets in trouble and Tommy took a tumble, both literally in their backyard and also, you know, financially and his reputation, um, she kept going with that, like, cold as ice, steely persona. And she's not getting that people, it, it's not reading at all. <laughs> It's not giving. It's very different to be the ice princess who's just like rich and fabulous and not doing anything but hanging out with, you know, her glam squad in the closet. It's different when you're, you know, people think widows and orphans when your name comes up in their mind. 
and on in the LA Times. You know, it, it's hard. Also, I feel like we have a harder time forgetting what Erica's dealing with because really we're not able to because she doesn't give anything else. You know, like there's nothing. It's not like she's got this fabulous storyline outside of that. Like neither does Jen really. I mean, her storyline is the fact that she's probably going to prison and still there's other parts to her that are just so like counter (laughs) that, that you really forget even when she's dressed as a hamburglar. And the way she played this situation, uh, I thought it was so refreshing. So she tells Coach Shaw, after they're like bouncing around, um, that there was a situation that happened. She had told him about this like back like a year ago, seven months ago. Uh, Lisa had told her that... Um, well, first of all, she says she was telling Coach about the fact that there was an Instagram account that was coming for her. The account's name was Shaw Exposed, and <laughs> with no E, by the way, and that they were just like being really weird on Instagram. Lisa showed it to her, and Jen was focused on other things. You know, she's got a couple other things <laughs> going on in her life, so she was like, you know what? I just had to forget th- about that, right? But then Lisa comes back around and tells her that that account actually belongs to Chris Harrington, not the guy from The Bachelor, Angie's husband. So Jen tells Sharif that she was actually fine with letting this whole thing go. But now Angie's trying to insert herself into her life and her friends, the show. And this is like, she needs to get to the bottom to it. So then Jen says in a confessional that, um, it wasn't like Chris used Jen Shaw exposed or, uh, you know, Jen exposed as the username. She He just used Shaw exposed, which in her mind is like more offensive because that's just like a blanket, any Shaw bringing her family into it. And she didn't like that. So Jen tells Coach Shaw that she's not going to be saving people's feelings anymore. Not if it's at her expense. And I love that. Like Jen really came on the scene, you know, just kicking in the air, like little Kim. And she caused a lot of fires, was like running around, pushing people, screaming, you know, uh, you know, in a Beyonce costume, slamming glasses at, at the floor. And it was a whole show, but to save this thing for seven months knowing and only bringing it up because uh uh this chick is now back on now on the show like inserting herself into your life i'm actually like very impressed by that because even if it's you know we've seen jen's uh social media habits and it's like the woman is incapable of taking an l like she plays herself constantly and I don't think she seems to see it. So I'm surprised that she would have kept this a secret because it's like embarrassed, even though it's embarrassing towards her, there have been more embarrassing things that happened <laughs> on social media with Jen. It's just shocking to me that she let this one go knowing. Ah, uh, that is so weird, dude, Chris, that is weird, but we're going to get your ass back in a second. Moving to Lisa's house. She and John are having a conversation with Fresh Wolf about whether or not he's still team fudge college or not. Honestly, I find this to be the most refreshing parts of Lisa. <laughs> it was like, 
I have created this monster, but like I'm also gonna nip this right in the bud. He needs a reality check. And, you know, the only reason why he's a slightly successful high schooler is because of them and the money that they gave him for Fresh Wolf. And yeah, he needs to get his shit together. So Fresh Wolf says that he uh, saw probably Andrew Tate or um, Bill, a Bill Gates quote or something on somebody's Instagram stories. And these people said that rather than going to college, you should just pursue your dreams, find somebody who you admire and ask them to uh, intern, inter- to intern for them. And so Lisa again is like... <laughs> Uh, well, first, John is like, uh, maybe you should find a part of the internet where people who like to go to college talk about their experience. Maybe you should check that out before we just are like team, you know, fudge college forever. So then Lisa says in a confessional that Fresh Wolf doesn't just get to skip steps and then be in Bill Gates mode and then come back and get an honorary degree from some university just because his parents helped him. So Lisa tells him, you know, college was, you know, more than classes for me. I learned to grow up. I had to take care of myself. I didn't grow up with a mom who uh, cooked at home (laughs) because I didn't grow up with a mom who cooked at home either. (laughs) And they just stare at each other. He got her ass on that one. You know, he he made a point. So then we go over to Whitney Rose's house and not a good situation. We're out on the couch with Justin. His dimples are in like, you know, a a full deep dimple of embarrassment and shame. You could tell. You see the shame, you know, just seeping out of his dimples. And he says that he's been fielding text messages and calls all day. And he kind of wants to ask Whitney for advice about like how to address everybody without having to have another conversation, like the same conversation over and over. So Whitney says in a confessional, it was one fateful Monday and she was having a really tough day. She just picked up the school kids from school and dropped them off at home. But then she sat in her car in the driveway, just kind of decompressing. So Justin pulls up and she is like decompressing on him. I'm having such a tough day. I need things to be taken off my plate. Like I'm really stressed out. And Justin goes, Oh, okay. Well, um, I just, I just got fired. So, (laughs) so then the poor guy starts crying when he reads out his statement to her about how, you know, I guess he worked in sales or something. You know, my team, if I found you or you found me, that, that I know that that means you're a good person. Uh, but in the end, I just had to choose my family. Um, and then I think he chose to do three heart emojis afterwards, which I'm not in corporate. I don't know like what, what flies these days, but. I don't know. For like a resignation, I'm not really sure if that's appropriate, but you know, it's fine. It's his journey, not mine. Um, So Justin tells Whitney that he knew that there were rumblings about his employment status, but he was really shocked by the entire conversation. So apparently they told Justin that they love his work, but with Whitney being a public figure, they didn't see how they could continue working with him. And Whitney's like, excuse me? They really said that? So then he goes back to 
Whitney goes back to like this reminds me of my traumas and this reminds me of men just trying to control me and my behavior and you know leave and stuff like that and I just like I really need Whitney to sit down with a therapist I really do like she clearly has shit that she's got to work out and this your husband was just fired because y'all were like doing uh naked paint me up and spankies with each other on national television do i agree with that no like who knew where justin worked like who gives a fuck right but um obviously that's not a reason to fire somebody but it's also like let him have his moment you know even if like you're i don't think you're at fault this is still indirectly uh you indirectly contributed to this firing so like she shouldn't feel bad like personally but she should feel like bad enough to let him have his own moment because apparently he'd been working there for quite some time i mean he's sitting there crying it clearly his job meant a lot to him like let him have his moment why are we making this about your past trauma you know like justin's bosses have nothing to do with what happened to you when you were a child and like maybe that's harsh but like i need her to like work her stuff out because this like Framing situations around what happened in your past is, like, very stressful. It is not going to be helpful to Whitney at all. Then Whitney goes full Utah in a confessional. She's like, you know, I'm really fighting the feeling of feeling ashamed and guilty because I have nothing to feel guilty for. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you, Whitney. I think... Now that I'm thinking about this, I've actually seen people like literally drive themselves mad by one situation that was shitty, admittedly, like justifiably shitty, but they then they saw everything that bad that happened to them, like like the slightest thing. Like my food from my the restaurant that I ordered from was cold and this is like gaslighting and it's reminding me of this situation that happened to me and that lit like she couldn't couldn't and still like cannot get out of that and it's really sad so I care for you Whitney all right let me let's let's switch the topic so I can laugh about something this is too serious for me <laughs> okay let's get back to Heather Heather's at beauty lab she's with Dre they're supposed to be opening up a new location. Things are delayed. She's really stressed out. And she's also really stressed out about her upcoming book. It kind of gives the impression, we see a flash of a clip between, she's having a video chat with her uh, editor, probably ghostwriter, but the ghostwriter is kind of going off on her like, hey, I'm having to make excuses for you and it's real bad, girl. Like, uh, to the point where these publishers can just pull the plug on the whole project. Like, you really need to get your shit together. But Heather explains what's going on with her. In a confessional, she says that she has everything prepared. Everything's ready to go on time. But then she has this crisis of conscience. And she's like, oh shit, like, I don't want to say this. I don't want to expose this about my family. So she redoes it. And then she looks at the second draft and she's like, oh, well, this makes me look like a fake bitch. So then it's like, you know, this whole situation. And she says, it's hard to be 
your own advocate and a traitor at the same time. So then Heather tells her business partner, Dre, that she's basically had her bubble burst in terms of any chance that she could maintain a relationship with her family, but also not being a Mormon anymore. So last week we saw them at the ski trip that she planned. She brought all of her cousins. And after that, things were going well, right? Until Lisa Barlow gets her Twitter fingers ready and tweets, because this is after the reunion um, and people watched it. Obviously, people came for Lisa because uh, Heather had said, Lisa text messaged her after her dad died, after Heather's dad died, saying, hey, I hope your dad's doing better. I hope your dad feels better, right? She's like, my dad had already died at that point. So people were coming for Lisa. Lisa decided to defend herself by posting the receipts. So she went back in her text messages with Heather, saw the date she had texted, I hope your dad feels better on April 15th, and then posted the obituary that said that he actually died on the 17th. So Heather explains it doesn't really matter because they had taken their dad home from the hospital so that he could die at home and he was in hospice care. So when Lisa texted her, like he was basically gone. Just like technicality, he's still breathing, but like, you know, he was gone. So because of all of this, one of Heather's cousins texted her and was like, "Eh, I don't really like all my business out there. I don't want to be associated with this. This is like gross and messy. I don't like it. So now Heather apparently is on the outs with her cousins again. So now whatever relationship Heather and Lisa could have had is gone. Cause she tells Dre, uh, you know, we've been taking steps toward our friendship together. Lisa and I, I invited her to audition to be in the choir. (laughs) Now I'm not sure if I even want her to show up. And you know, this is like too much too much. And she tells Dre, I hope being right was worth it for Lisa in this moment because she's lost me forever. Ooh. <laughs> Heather's been making all, a lot of these statements. Like you've lost me forever. Uh, it, to now have Whit- Lisa and Whitney have gotten it right. I think so. Speaking of Whitney and Lisa, they do yoga together. <laughs> and I love how Lisa says <laughs> in a confessional, you know, Whitney and I have this, uh, you know, history of doing yoga. And honestly, I wish we could do something else. <laughs> like if we go shopping or fine dining or, you know, maybe we could go through the Taco Bell drive through and then she just smiles because she knows. Like she knows that this is now a thing that people think is funny. Luann does this too. When she figures out that people catch on that she found something that she said something funny and now she like drags it. It's going to be a dog without a bone. Dog with a bone. That would be a lot more appropriate. Whitney Rose. Whitney Rose tries to wiggle and squiggle her way out of discussing the, explaining the fact, admitting that uh, Justin had been fired. So she sits down with Lisa and she goes, Justin has decided to leave his company. (laughs) And Lisa's like, okay, was this by choice? Because she already knows. She already knows. Like, was this a choice that you guys made together? Or did did somebody make it for you without your knowledge? 
And then they told you. <laughs> so Whitney's like, no, it was a choice that he was faced with, but I can't dive into the details of it. <laughs> so Lisa explains, this is all over social media. Everybody knows and everybody knows why. But you know what? She is not trying to fight Whitney at this point. Like she already took a big L, you know, let's just lie our way through it. Sure. Okay, I actually took a break to uh, look up what happened with all of this. And first of all, I want to say that this episode was filmed. uh, This takes place over like six weeks because Justin announced that he was leaving his job March 9th. But Lisa didn't tweet that stuff about Heather's father until April 15th. No, this is something else. I'm so stupid. I really thought that... (laughs) I really should crack the case. Heather's father died on April 15th. I'm getting it now. It's coming. Okay. I'm so stupid. (laughs) I should take this out, but I won't. Okay. But I'm going to try to redeem myself. But uh, looking now at Justin's statement, I'm like, this is really unprofessional. (laughs) Because the second paragraph says... I do believe as one door closes, it's absolutely the time and place to slam it shut on haters, toxic and undeserving people in your life. And then does the puke emoji. (laughs) I I mean, again, I'm not in corporate, but like this. And also you guys at the end, at the bottom of the, (laughs) at the bottom of the statement, it's a picture of a, a door that's open and then a door that's closed. And it really should be in the other direction. Like as one door closes, another door opens, but he got it wrong. It's in the wrong direction. Oh, bless. (laughs) Bless his heart. Um, You know, at least I'm not the only dumb one today. At least I'm not. All right, let's get back to the show. So Lisa's actually really nice to Whitney. And she says, hey, I'm not in your situation, but I do think that there are positives that can come from being in a situation like this. Whitney says, yeah, that she didn't. Uh, she and Justin are trying to think about the positives and one positive thing is that Justin was released from a company and she like takes a beat that's shitty Ooh, you did that girl (laughs) I think Justin's job was something like in the wellness uh field what was it called um well-being oh life vantage Oh, weren't people saying, now that I remember this, weren't people saying that Justin was part of an MLM? I've never heard of Life Vantage, because she called it something about, something about wellness on the show. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe this is, like, a a better situation for you, Justin, to get out of, like, being in a pyramid scheme. Allegedly. I hope to never be fired from anything, but if I do, I will be using the puke emoji in my statement. So thank you, Justin. You're really an innovator. So then they switch topics to uh, Whitney and, and Lisa switch topics to what's going on with Lisa. She's like, oh, you know, it's been crazy. Um, people have been coming for me online because Heather lied about me when we were in L.A., a.k.a. at the reunion. Whitney actually really sticks up for Heather, you know, probably because they're related and says, I just want to understand why you felt the need to retweet heather's father's obituary like where is the lie in that what is what is it that you had to prove lisa but lisa's excuse 
is that, oh, you know, I've let a lot of things go with Heather in the past. And, you know, I was just trying to clear my name. I wasn't trying to start shit between us. She's my friend. I really like her. I'm just trying to exonerate myself. But then Whitney tells Lisa that she just went about it the wrong way by taking it to social media. What she really should have done was call Heather and Lisa does kind of cop to it. She's like, yeah, okay. I probably could have done that. And Whitney tells her, I still think that you should probably call her and have a one-on-one conversation. Lisa's like, I hear you, but I think I'm just going to show up to her choir audition. If if she kicks me out, whatever, but I showed up. (laughs) Y'all, the scene of the episode Meredith and Seth go out for a double date dinner with Angel, Angie, Harrington, and Chris. I would like to say that uh, Angie looked beautiful. She had like a caramel colored, uh, nice little like strapless, you know, tight, cute little dress on. And her accessories looked nice or a little over the top, but nice. And I'm just going to say that off rip because everything else that happened after this between the Harringtons was embarrassing completely. Meredith is still throwing barbs at Lisa any opportunity that she can get. She's like saying in a confessional that she really likes Angie, but Angie was Lisa's friend and she was trying to give space for them to be friends without being too pushy. But, you know, she and Angie probably would have been friends a long time ago had it not been for that fact. But Lisa's not worried about her, so Meredith's not going to be worrying about Lisa anymore. Angie, full of drama, full of drama in a confessional, says, I feel like Meredith and I were a little bit trauma bonded by being on the receiving end of Lisa Barlow's wrath. You know, because of that, I just feel like we have a common ground and, you know, that draws us closer to each other. Girl. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm really loving her, but she cannot be here after this season. Okay. So that's, that's the only reason why I'm not finding Angie annoying. She's got to go. This is her last, you're not coming back last season, girl, next season, girl. You can't, I mean, you might have to, because we might be down another one, but that's neither here nor there. Girl, too much. trauma bonded (laughs) okay okay so then angie tries to set the record um not straight not straight i wouldn't say that but she tells meredith and seth that she never told anybody that she said lisa did sexual favors for a loan for vita or for jazz tickets but She did say that she and Whitney have discussed rumors about Lisa in private and maybe, just maybe, there was a comment about somebody investing in Vita, but not for sexual favors. So then Chris, Chris says the last time he saw John, Lisa's husband, was at a jazz game and that John just came up to him out of nowhere and said, get the fuck away from me. And both Seth and Meredith are like, this is weird. John's not like that at all. That sounds very out of character for him. And then Angie says to Chris, do you think that it could have been fueled by what happened on Instagram? 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head-on. Not queen. So then Chris explains, or Angie explains that Chris was getting really frustrated because, in her words, she was getting attacked in the media and that there were Instagram accounts that were saying things that only Angie had said to Lisa. And she thought that was very strange. So Chris kind of laughs to himself and he's like, Well, you know, in a very immature moment as a 52 year old man, please judge me later. But I created a fake account. And in that moment, both Lee, Meredith and Seth's face were like, you could hear the, like the Price is Right losing horn just blasting out of their ears. Because they're like, oh, we, we picked the wrong team. We should not be here. <laughs> From then on, Meredith looks like she's looking, like can't even make eye contact with them anymore. Like, Looking at the the open kitchen, the other patrons, the waiters doing their jobs. Like, wh- I don't think I, sh- I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. <laughs> Seth looked horrified. So Chris's defense is, well, there's no manual on defending your wife on social media. It's like, yeah. Maybe that should tell you something, Chris. Because people don't do it. <laughs> People don't do it. That's why. So Meredith has to be like, well, I don't think you made the best choice, but I've received word that Lisa's been doing the same thing. So at the end of the day, forget it and move on. So Heather comes over to Jen's house to talk, but Jen apparently hosted a an alien-themed birthday party for some random five-year-old and she has not picked up so the the ambience that is happening within the scene is just like it's artistry like could not could not write it better so jen tells heather about chris harrington creating that instagram account and shows her a comment that lisa that this guy said chris said lisa tried to influence the cancellation of the caterer with Angie trying to cancel a charity from participating with like through Jen and lies. And it says to that person, um, what is it like being in the 3% of people who believe her shit? So Jen tells Heather, this has been going on for quite some time, but she hadn't looped her in. She didn't want her to get involved because Heather has this really good friendship with Angie and Chris. 
also she kind of didn't believe it because Lisa was the only person who told her about it in the first place. But she decided to go to Angie herself. Angie denies it. But then ring, ring, ring on the telephone, Chris Harrington to admit it to Jen and apologize. So Jen tells, uh, asks like why she says, she tells Heather, I asked Chris why out of all the usernames you chose, why did you choose Shaw Exposed? And he's like, well, it was available. <laughs> Jen says in a confessional, <clears throat> there really wasn't like a conclusion to it. It wasn't like she accepted his apology or anything like that. She was just so shocked that, to be even having this conversation to find out that somebody who's been trolling you is this 50 something year old man that you know. <laughs> she was just like, okay, like this is, very weird. Jen tells Heather, look, I know this is your girl. I just feel like you should know because if they're capable of that, you know, <laughs> I'm just giving you a heads up. So Heather's like, yeah, thank you. But what are you going to do? And Jen says, what are you going to do? <laughs> so Heather says in a confessional, this puts her in a really shitty situation because what Chris did is indefensible. Like there's Nothing she could possibly say about that. But on the other hand, she has a really strong uh, relationship to both Chris and Angie. Then everybody's getting ready for <laughs> Heather's uh, American Idol uh, lapsed Mormon edition audition. And Lisa, you guys, I have the... The type of secondhand embarrassment where if I am not prepared for somebody's voice, like if I don't know for a fact that you have a good voice, I can't take it. But there's like a spectrum within that, right? Like I can watch, you know how American Idol used to do, like they would dedicate the first couple of episodes to like the idiots, the clowns, the people who were completely tone deaf and were just like, ah, ha, ha, laughing at you. Um, Mary Roach and uh, that she bangs guy, you know, um, that I can tolerate. But Lisa Barlow trying to sing Away in a Manger in a key that I've never heard. And then she stops herself and then goes into another key that I've never heard in my life. I can't take that. <laughs> So between the uh, 50-something-year-old man admitting to creating an Instagram account to talk shit about people, um, to Away in a Manger, Barlow style, to watching Angie and Whitney um, in like some reject Britney Spears circus tour costumes practicing um, when the saints go marching in, I, I honestly looked down and I was self-soothing. <laughs> I was like, this is too cringe for me. I can't take it, but you got to push through. So I'm just like sitting here rubbing my legs like, oh, please, please. When is this episode going to be done? I can't take it. <laughs> and I would like to correct myself from earlier. I should put more respect on William Hung's name. He's not just the she bangs guy. I think he might actually have like a doctorate or some sort of high um, education certification good for him good for him i hope you're having a great day william hung anyway so then we get to the venue of the actual audition we see the lineup of judges and we've got uh some guy named jeff who um 
no explanation as to whether or not he's in the music industry himself, but his dad is the, according to Heather, greatest songwriter in Mormon history. His name is Michael McLean. Okay. So his son, uh, a singer songwriter that Heather knows and some chick named Paisley who was on American Idol, which like, you know, why 10% of the population has been on American Idol. Is it possible? Like at this point, if your parents are naming you Paisley, they're like, okay, get her an acoustic guitar. Because in about 15 years, you're going to be right on the stage with Luke Bryan and Katy Perry and, um, you know, Emmanuel Lewis or something. <laughs> Why are we still doing American Idol? This feels like a joke at this point. Like, we we got Kelly Clarkson. That was enough. That was more than enough. Let it go. Let the mouse go. Like, surely, what does uh, being on American Idol, like, if you win, what do you get? What do you get at this point? Like, a, a $15 uh, Best Buy gift card and and a record deal with Simon Cowell. You get a one L, three song EP with <laughs> Simon Cowell's record label. And, and you get a verified Instagram account. What Outside of that, what are you getting? Like, for real, what are you getting? I cannot tell you the last... <laughs> Never mind. Let me not... We gotta move on. <laughs> Jen shows up uh, with a gigantic box with a bullhorn on top. And, you know, she pulls up and sees a lineup of people who are waiting to audition. And she's like, I thought this was gonna be, like, actual American Idol. But there's, like, five people outside. Four of them are related to Heather. You know, and these are the moments where I'm like, okay, see, this is why I like Jen. <laughs> And then she walks into that audition room, just screaming Amazing Grace. Just screaming. The lady is out of her mind. (laughs) Out of her mind. In a bubblegum pink uh, pantsuit that she honestly, like, Meredith Marks saw that and was like, oh, you're stealing my, my color. I don't like that, Jen. Jen Shaw, I really don't like that. No. This is not a good impression. We gotta go. I'm being silly at this point. (laughs) I'm really being silly. I gotta go. Okay, so what happens? Um, Oh, Angie and Whitney show up looking like two silly little goof troops. Like the the emoji of the dancing girls. That's basically what they look like. I mean, Angie, who looks so silly. She's so thirsty to be on television. And the lengths that she'll go to. Ugh. I should get her on the podcast. Um, so Jen comes out to like tell by the guy. There's by the way, there's one guy. The first guy in line is wearing a, a sweatshirt that just says unhinged. <laughs> one one guy in a sweater that says unhinged. Four of Heather's uh, uh, family members, Whitney, who technically is also a family member, and and Angie in a gold outfit help us out um jen clearly was not expecting to see angie at the audition and she gets eyes on her and is like what the hell is she doing here i don't like this and that's where we end we end on a a cliffhanger i guess who's to know if we get to see the guy with the unhinged sweater actually sing or perform or anybody. Have we heard Heather sing? I maybe I've heard like a video. Maybe I've seen a video of Heather singing and it wasn't bad. 
It wasn't bad. <sighs> anyway. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> thank me for speaking. Love you. Have a good weekend. Um, hey, by the way, I have a Patreon. Okay. And it's the beginning of the month, which is the perfect time to sign up for Patreon because you can receive the full benefits of that month. In addition to the two years of content, um, that comes out every week. So check it out this week. I did y'all, even if you don't sign up for the Patreon and you have Hulu watch, God forbid, it's a documentary about Jerry Falwell Jr. and the sex scandal uh, that happened with him and his wife and a 20-year-old uh, very uh, silly, silly boy um, in Miami. So check that out. All right. <laughs>